From worthless coffee grinds to $20 million in sales, how this company created a relatable brand persona to disrupt a hyper-competitive industry. Let's talk about Frank, Frank Body. Body. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Sean Azari here. I'm with Matt Skopak. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Deep Dive, episode 19, where we dive into businesses like Frank Body and dissect into their marketing and business strategies such that you can start implementing them into your business. Uh, today, we're talking about Frank Body. They originally started as a coffee body scrub, right? Yes. Um, it was founded by five founders, Jess Hatsis, Bree Johnson, Erica... Jera Arts, Steve Rowley, and Alexander Boffa started in 2013. Yep. They started it with one product, and then they uh, branched out with multiple yep. uh, product lines. And I think they all hit the category of uh, coffee scrubs. Yep. So they yep. originally were from Melbourne, Australia. It was founded in uh, July 2013, and they were really specialized as a scrub company, especially using uh, coffee obviously, what's on our face. That was their original product, which is what we, me and Sean, tested out, was this coffee scrub, which was basically uh, just really took coffee grinds and added some, it looks like a couple oils and the other uh, couple chemicals, and then basically created a brand. Yeah, and one of the founders product. was working in a coffee shop, which he, you know, he was listening to the customers. A lot of the customers were asking for basically coffee grinds yeah. to help them exfoliate yeah. their skin. I think there's one or two customers that came in asking like for, if he had garbage bags with the leftover coffee grinds. Is garbage, and taking he was wondering garbage why, why would someone be asking for this? And that's kind of how the idea was, uh, and again, they're disrupting a competitive market. They created the brand persona, which you mentioned the headline, yeah. and which is Frank. It's really, you know, it's a fake person, which is that one night stand type of guy. And you'll start realizing through the language how, you know, they start calling all their customers. Every girl are, is a babe. Uh, so not just like a beautiful woman, everyone's a babe. Uh, and that's, you'll see in their comments, their captions, in their instructions on how to use yep. them, everything from packaging to website and so forth. So they created some sort of relatable humor that people could relate yep. to. And at the end of the day, that's what's very important because when you're going into these markets, you have to relate to the customer and people buy from people at the end of the day. We talk about this in multiple podcasts. People buy things that they're related to and that fits their lifestyle as well and frank did a great job doing that and marketing that and so forth and sure. actually before we dive into these points let's do a little cleanup especially for our youtube uh, watchers if you're seeing this we have the coffee scrub in our yeah. face and it's kind of burning right supposed now to keep it on for three minutes so it's been so five we let's need do to it let's do a little off. snap and just bam and we're back for our uh, podcast listeners uh we had the coffee scrub all over our face and we had to do a little cleanup um, Feels good though. Yeah, I feel like a little baby, like it was, you know, baby butt. You feel like a baby's ass. Yeah, your your forehead, your your forehead usually like it. It feels like concrete. Actually, no, I don't really touch Scopac's forehead on a <laughs> usual basis. <laughs> that I would know that. Uh, but anyway, it our skin feels baby soft. That's it. Anyway, let's go to the points, and I'm gonna start with number one. Um, penetrate a hyper competitive market by being known for one thing first. And this goes back to law of category, and this is what they've done. They've created their own category. They started with their anchor product, which was the, the coffee bean scrub, yep. which um, they went all in on it. They marketed that, and they, got, they were known for the coffee scrub. Obviously, there was other brands that um, went along with it afterwards when they became popular, but 
getting to that market, getting to that beauty market is very competitive, but they went all in, they went crazy and they went with their branding and so forth. So, um, and then after like a few months later, I believe six months, they launched their second product and so forth. And you actually could give a, a, an example of Sugar and Kush, uh, his CBD brand. You've, you've kind of went with one product, you went with multiple products before, or the few products, very few, yeah, very went all few. in. Um, so very important to do that, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, when you when you launch a brand, you don't want to be all over the place. You want to be obviously have an idea. You want to be specifically known for one or two things, and then expand from there. Um, so that's that's something we've done. Sugar and Kush. We were really known for our gummy bears and our tinctures, all that are super healthy and friendly, macro friendly, um, and try to use as least amount of ingredients as possible. And then from there, we've kind of tried to expand our product line. Yeah, and it could so, be even with, it, it doesn't have to always be products, so when I wanna bring it back, so the reason why we're giving you examples of our brands is so you could see how relatable these strategies are. I'm taking pop art with yep. Reborn, right? And I'm going all in on that pop colors and so forth, it is my style. People are saying, hey, why don't you go to another style, neutral base, so forth, they'll hit more demographic. I don't want to right now. Yeah. You don't want to, you wanna go all in on your category and so forth, So and then you market it hard because you're the first one marketing it and you wanna be known for that, so that's very important. That's it, right? I think that's it, and that's my number, my first point, number two, kinda goes right behind Sean, is create a category around your anchor product. And when I say category, it could be a combo package or a category, but what I really mean by that and what Frank Body did is they were known for their exfoliators, their scrubs. So their uh, coffee grind scrub, their coconut, their peppermint, their cacao, all those scrubs, that's who they are. That's what they're known for. That's who their customers uh, are. That's what they're attracted to. And when they started creating other products, so they, I know they have a facial uh, moisturizer, a facial line, they have um, a, another body care line. When they started doing this, they basically put a routine in place that's based upon their anchor product. So it's, hey, do these three steps to have the most moist and best facial skin. So number one, use our coffee exfoliator uh, in the mornings or at night. Number two, follow up with uh, the facial care product. And number three, do this. But what, they're, what they did is they focused on their main product They have their one first. main product and then you have ancillaries that add on to your product yes. that could help enhance your routine or perhaps they create or they introduce a problem which is known, mm -hmm. right? So they say, hey, look, we have, we were saying like AM routine versus a PM routine. Yes. You're creating a solution for people in, some, in your category such that they could use your other products on top of your yeah. main product. And we see this all the time with multiple yes. different products. Yeah. I was, we were, when we were uh, discussing earlier, I haven't seen it with cleaning products. Cleaning products you talked about. Right, so we have uh, literally Windex, right? There's a shower cleaner that's in those, the spray bottles, right? It says, you know, spray in the shower and just leave it there and that will be clean. It's literally the same thing as Windex, maybe the one ingredient change, or perhaps the same thing, yep. just labeled differently. I You've see, done it. Sugar, I see even, in the CBD market, I see bunches of companies that use, hey, they have an AM and PM CBD package. So the AM, they combine CBD with uh, B12 vitamins or other focused vitamins or supplements. And then in the nighttime one, they put melatonin in it or other relaxing supplements. And then they say, okay, in the morning, add the CBD into your drink or take it under your tongue. It will give you focus, energy, and help you start the day so that you crush it. Or at night, it's, hey, put this CBD under your tongue, uh, has melatonin 
other relaxing supplements that will help you calm and wind down for bed and then stay asleep at night. So those two things, it's you are then giving a multi-purpose to you for people to use your items, but you're giving, uh, giving them ideas and ways to use it. Love it. Number three, fuck the jargon. Excuse my language, but what do I mean by that? Uh, you know, Frank Body uses language that's so relatable to today's society. They're in their comments, they're calling people babes in their how-to stuff. Like you're literally where we're looking, how to use me, get naked and get wet yep. in the shower, massage, scrub over your entire body. Again, who's the babes? Everyone is a babe. So this is, um, you know, talking in today's language, instead of yep. using those high tech words and all these, these uh, uh, language that people, the jargon that people don't, can't even really understand that nutritional science stuff. Uh, I mentioned another uh, podcast. I have, a, I have a, a client in the skincare space. They talk about all these, these jargons, like you're reading a science book and it's just not relatable and it's not going to help you relate to your audience. And you gotta, you gotta literally pivot to what people are talking about today so such that people could buy into who they are. Because at the end of the day, customers want to relate to your brand. If you want to differentiate, talk like them. Um, we yep. talked about, I forgot what brand, and there's actually a majority of the, the brands we discussed. Like in the Great caption, I forgot which one was, in their captions, literally in our IG posts and so forth, I, was it, I think it was um, Whoop or somebody, I, I don't remember. Um, literally their captions like as if they're talking to a human being. Right, like all the brands. It's not all. It's not the scientific, like stupid no. uh, language that people can relate I think to. It might so, Gymshark possibly. Um, Gymshark does a good job of it. All of them have a great brand voice. I mean, look at this on the back of the package. Lose the pants. You don't need them where we're going. Destination: Babe Town. They have no remorse, or they have no holding back of speaking sexual and speaking like just yeah. Actually, filter. I have uh, some of their Facebook ads uh, right in front of me. One of their ads are running currently as of uh, September 1st, 2020. Meet my, this is a carousel type of ad. Meet my coffee-based affordable skincare. Test it on babes, not bunnies. It's everything you need for clear glowing skin. And unlike your ex, I'm non-toxic. That's freaking hilarious. That's it. That's okay. great. I love guys, there are brands right now and we, we spoke about, there's actually a restaurant in New Jersey which we talk about, Butcher's Block, where they are just being transparent, no filter, and they're giving you what, the, like they just tell you how it is and that's the future of, hey, no holding back, this is who we are, this is where we stand, back, stand for, if you do not like it, we don't give a fuck because we have our customers, we have a loyal base, and that's who we are and this is what this brand does. They have a brand voice and customers love it and there's no faking it. So at the end of the day, create a movement that aligns with your customers' values, and that's gonna help you push forward. Yes. Number four, use PR and or other media outlets to build brand awareness. And uh, when me and Sean were talking about this one, this was, uh, we had a great conversation about because kind of a little bit differing views, but what I really want you to take out of this and what Frank Body did well is when they talked about one of their first in-house hires was a PR person, I think it's very important that you use some type of PR, either contracted or uh, do it yourself to help build brand awareness. And what I mean, what is PR? Um, I didn't know about this industry at all. And so when you wanna get into magazines or articles or uh, anything online or any publication, 
usually, which I didn't know, you usually have to pay to play. Could be frowned upon, but to be honest, a lot of the companies that you see that actually put it on their website, been featured on XYZ, blah, 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 they paid for that feature. Yeah. And you could do that, you mean, look, and again, articles, it's pound. You see articles, I see it online all the time. Look at these, the top 10 brands for CBD gummies. Or for now, by CBDs. the way, I don't like this strategy. I don't agree with it. There's multiple ways of going about it. I'm just, we're just pointing out this is one route to go. Yeah. Um, and it's happened in a lot of the companies we talked about. Warby Parker had a big uh, Forbes magazine article or, or front page or some kind of, I don't know if it was paid for or not when they first launched and it gave them a definitely a boost in sales. However, it, it's something that we need to recognize and it does help build brand awareness. And it also helps SEO. When you have all yes, these articles all these black written about you, yep. when I search Google, we see all these articles come up for a company. It gives credibility. Not only that, also if your brand is mentioned with another recognizable brand in a media outlet that's um, you know viewed and read through a large uh, amount of people, right? Mm -hmm. Like let's say, for instance, if you own a sports brand, athletic, or like a, a protein powder, let's just say, right? And you are, let's say, top five sport industries to look out for, I mean, not to look out for, it's already, but imagine your brand is yeah. mentioned next to Nike, Nike in the same article, right? Right. So now when people are searching for Nike and that article pops up, they're reading that article, your brand is mentioned there because it's associated to that brand. So. And it's huge for SEO purposes and so forth. And uh, one thing I would also like to mention, what I like to do, and kind of the, the headline could be a little bit misleading is, and you'll see a lot of content I've actually put out in the past, is be your own PR person. In today's world, with distribution, with all these media channels, you could be your own PR person. You represent yourself because you could reach XYZ amount of people. However, if you want, yes, if you're doing a great job, right, with your product, service, and people. If you're making noise and you could create noise with social media, PR will come to you because at the end of the day, these publications need something to write about. And if you're disrupting a market and if you're creating something new, you're providing a solution and so forth, they wanna talk about you. And in addition, ways of doing it without pay for play, there's a website out there and I was mentioning to you earlier, it's called Haro, it's H-A-R-O, helperreporterout.com. And basically it is, you'll get in your inbox, I think in the morning, in the afternoon, you see all these topics that all these outlets are looking for. Like let's say if they want to talk about the health industry and so forth, and they'll give you a subject outline. You email uh, an article about it. You're not basically selling yourself. You're actually providing a solution or something that they could actually write about, and they'll take that and actually input it in their outlets, and you could be featured on a publication. Sometimes these publications are not known. Sometimes they would um, showcase it and so forth. So, and again, that's a lot of trial and error. You just gotta you know keep pushing. So. Yeah. Another way of putting One about it. One area where I kind of disagree with Sean in this, just because when you're starting as an entrepreneur and a CEO, it's hard to do everything. It's hard to focus on finances, grow the brand, track the numbers, build a brand awareness, do PR. It's impossible to do everything and things are gonna fall to the wayside. So it, it could be helpful to hire someone that specializes in PR. I agree with this thing is be your own PR person, but when you start growing and you are really ramping up and becoming a major player in any industry, you're not gonna be able to do it all. You're not gonna be able to do your own social media. You're not gonna be able to do advertising. You're not gonna be able to track finances. You're not gonna be able to find new ways to generate PR. So that's why I agree with this statement, especially in the beginning bootstrapping. But once you start growing, you're gonna need someone that specializes in PR to help you get to that next level. Yeah. I think that's a fair statement. Of course, right? of course. And so. you could hire, you could also outsource. So maybe. We're both right. He's, he's, I, I agree with his viewpoint. I think once you get to a certain point though, you need to maybe get some help.
Is it number five? Number five. Number five, increase your average order value, AOV, Love this. by offering free shipping. When you go on Frank Body's website, you will see free shipping with orders over $30. So I think one of their products is only like how much? Um, I forgot these, how much it costs on the site, but you, you just bought these just products. Bought, I bought them all. They're between $9.99 and $10.99. This is a 3.85 ounce um, package. I think they also come in the seven ounce package. But my guess is they're probably, most people are ordering maybe one of these or maybe a, the seven the ounce one. Yeah, I'm looking so, at it right now. It's $16.95 for like one of the original coffee scrub, for yep. instance. Uh, their body scrub and mask, $20 and so forth. So you can see they're all under uh, $30. And so what's uh, that going to force you to do, Sean? It's going to force you to order more. Yeah, and if I you don't order, order more, more, you're going to pay for shipping. So yep. a lot of people don't like to pay for shipping. So um, Amazon effect. Yeah, literally. You, people want free shipping. So offer free shipping. However, you don't want to, I mean, shipping costs money at the end of the day. So if you want to offer free shipping, if you calculate in your price and so forth, offer it in such a way that they could buy more products. Like I've done it with Reborn. So for instance, if you just buy pillows, right, you're not going to get free shipping if you just buy one pillow because it's, it's, we do free shipping over $75. You do it for sugar and kush, yep. correct? Um, for you have a certain value, right? Exactly. Make sure that when you're doing this, so like, let's just look at the patching real quick. This packaging is very light. It doesn't take up a lot of room. So I guess probably the shipping on this would guess what? Uh, I would say maybe $2 to ship this, somewhere around that range. Yep. So that's why their limit or their, their amount for $30 to ship uh, things for free shipping is so low. When you deal with things that are much larger, heavier, whatnot, make sure it makes sense in terms of the price that you're giving them for shipping, it needs to be higher. Like you said, 75 for Sugar and Kush, we do over $49. Um, but just make sure when you're doing this- 75 for Reborn. 75 for $49 for Sugar and Kush, for my company. Yep. Just make sure you're doing strategically. Just don't pick out a number because it's an even number. So be smart about it. Obviously you're an entrepreneur, we're all smart people, we should be. Make sure you're doing, you're using the right strategy. Yep, and I believe there's uh, there actually is third-party apps that allow you to add that bar on top, which could be third. dynamic and change based on what the person, individual, the customer is adding to cart. So if they add, you know, two orders and that goes over that value, it will say qualify for free shipping. Yep. And what I did for Reborn, we actually customized it and add. Uh, a bar on top and you could hire developers on Upwork for you know a, a, an affordable price and they could add the custom code for you and so forth. So either look for third-party apps or get a developer or outsource a developer from Upwork yep. and so forth. And if it's, and if your price is say, be smart about your AOV too and free shipping. So if your AOV right now is say $45, don't offer free shipping offer anything over $40. It makes zero sense. You know your AOV is 45, offer free shipping on any 55 or $60 and over. So then it basically gives an inclination for the, for the individuals, your customers, to buy more and spend more, which will raise the AOV. Love it. So um, number six, this is a good one. Be strategic when raising money. And this is something that's dear to me, obviously, on the finance side of this. Um, don't just raise money to raise money. Me and Sean were talking about this. Be strategic about this. Um, just because money's available because people are willing to back you or it's a trendy industry, make sure that when you're raising money, it's for a specific reason. Um, and what I mean by that is 
when Frank Body raised money for their company, it was strategic. They knew that they were going to get into or were about to just get into a national or actually a worldwide retailer. And it takes a lot of money to do that. There are going to be large amounts of inventory that you're going to have to purchase. You're going to have to purchase all the in-store materials in terms of stands, signage, window, uh, window apparel to get customers in. So they needed some money strategic because they didn't have enough capex basically to help go through the strategy and going to a worldwide media. So that was their reason for why they raised money their one time they raised, they, they did this series. So raised. what is it not when you're providing that, that helpful um, info, why would someone raise money if they don't have a strategy in place? So do you have the do's and don'ts? So there's no do's and don'ts. I think it's dependent on the company, but I, what I've seen recently in the last couple of years is a lot of people are saying, Hey, if I just had more money, I could grow to this amount or I could be successful. And from everything I've seen, if you aren't a profitable business at a small amount of money or at a smaller business, you're not going to be any more successful as a larger company. So that's one thing people always said, if I had more money, I could just do this. So that's first thing. Second of all- Sure, but I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to- Keep on bringing it. Yeah. So let's say, for instance, if you want to bring costs down and keep things more in-house, but in order to do that- So you why did you create a equipment. business- Why did you create a business structure in the first place that you weren't making Because money? you want to prove a point. Now, I could actually vouch for that you're, in a lot of you're ways. Proving a point Proving a point, you're that means you're, you're- No, no, not, not losing money. Like, at, you're basically not even making money. You're just making means then. Not mean means then. You're- your sales equal the amount of like everything and how much it costs and so forth. So you're making zero profit. So that's a, that's not business then. No, that means if you manufacture it in house, mm -hmm. right? It yep. could be a lot cheaper. And then when you advertise, you see the market is in demand, but so you can't not, you can't lower the cost because uh, the cost to make the product is based on a third party. Absolutely. Okay. Vendor. So, so that's so that's not so I'm saying hey, I'm not raising money to grow sales. I'm raising money to lower expenses to then order at a higher amount to, to reduce my cogs. So that's, that's different. I'm saying, hey, let's raise money because then I know I can grow the company and get this amount of sales. So I, I understand what you're saying. You're saying from a supply chain thing, I know basically it's called, we all know when ordering inventory, the more inventory you buy or the larger POs, the more aggressive of a pricing you get. So that's, that's what Sean's talking about here. I'm just talking about a lot of companies say, hey, if I had this money, I could spend more on marketing and then grow larger, which it's an, it's, it just doesn't make sense. So I've seen so many things in terms of just raising money in terms of another one is I have this money, the, the VC wants to give me money or my friends and family want to give me money. It's available, should I just take it? I don't agree with that either. Um, I don't think you should dilute yourself or give up equity if you do not need the money. I think when people have money in the bank too, they become reliant on that money and they you just use it to use it um, instead of really bootstrapping and really learning and grinding it out. What do you think about that? No, I mean, I agree. The strategy needs to be in place when you're raising yep. money. It can't just be for uh, no reason. So always have a strategy in place where the money is going to be allocated and so forth because also when you're giving up equity and so forth, these shareholders, they want to know where their money is going yeah. and how it's going to grow your company. So that's very important to have, not just to raise money just for shits and giggles. Yeah. So and that's I, not going to I work. think I give more respect to the business and I think it's actually probably more successful if they're bootstrapping and they're just finding ways to make things work other than just having millions or hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank that they just go to anytime a problem arises. So 
that, that's, that's things I've seen in the industry, and that's something Frank Boddy talked about. They never raised money. They bootstrapped it from what, 10,000, they said $10,000. I think it was $5,000. $5,000 to start. They, built, they did everything themselves. They did all the recipes, packaging for six Between months. Between five people, they started five k. But again, that's part of their story, whatever. But that's yeah. that's what they said. But uh, yeah. So I'm just saying uh, that's mine. Just because money is available, and just because you have the ability to raise money, does not always mean it's it's something you should do. You should be case by case basis, and you should really talk talk to other people, talk to your partners, and go from there before you just start raising. Just raising. that's when you're ready. We're going to go for number seven. Wow. Bonus. Go all in on new features. Now, a few weeks ago, Instagram introduced Reels, which is an, a, basically a duplicate of t- TikTok's features, right? So if you actually notice Frank Body, they, I think they about have five Reels right now posted, which goes on your feed as well. And if you compare the Reels versus IGTV views, view count, mm-hmm. you'll see an extreme extraordinary difference between the view count. So because Instagram, when something comes out, they love to push it everywhere. They'll push it on their explore feed and so forth. So such that you're getting new users exploring, finding your brand. So get creative, go all in. Don't be afraid of testing out these new features. You'll see right now, today, in today, September 1st, 2020, you'll see on your explore feed, Reels literally takes up half your feed in the Explore tab. So your brand could get recognized and found really quick if you go all in on it because, again, they're trying to compete with TikTok. They want people to uh, use their new feature, obviously, for competitive reasons and also for revenue reasons because if people are using Reels, at some point, it could come like part of their ad platform, meaning when someone's watching a reel, it could probably, if you, before you watch a reel, perhaps, this is just me predicting something, you might watch an ad or maybe perhaps within 10 seconds of watching a reel, you'll see an ad and so forth. So it's another revenue generated, but they need to see if people are watching these things and so yeah. forth. Um, just like when IG story came out. It's just, it's the way, it's the way advertising and all these platforms are moving to. I mean, it started with pictures, then Snapchat came out with short clips, TikToks is a little bit longer, and now it's moving to reels. It's, it's, it's moving into that direction. I think it's actually better for these brands because like we talk about, I think you can better reflect a lifestyle brand through videos than just a picture. I mean. I completely agree. You know I, mean? I want you to also explain. So let's actually go to for eight and I'm gonna give this to you, Scopac, as you do a sugar kush. Micro versus macro influencers. Mm. Differences and we've seen how Frank Body does it. Talk about a little about that and the effect of micro influencers. Yeah, uh, I think. Uh, first, let's start off. What's the difference between macro and micro influencers? Macro are usually follower or, or individuals or influencers that have a large following. I would say probably over maybe 500,000, maybe over a million. It could be like a Kim Kardashian, be, or exactly. perhaps it could be someone that just has a million followers. That not, it's not Kim Kardashian, exactly. but it's just it's too big of a following. And then micro-influencers are follow, usually influencers that have anywhere from maybe 5,000 to 100,000 followers. I would say in that range, to me, uh, obviously it could mean different to everyone. However, um, I think macro-influencers were very big when Instagram first came out in the first couple of years. And now brands are starting to move towards micro-influencers and the reason for this is, I believe, in my expertise, and Sean will show his, that micro-influencers will better align with your brand as long as you find the correct influencer. So that being said is, I believe that someone that is actually uses the product, loves the product, is passionate about the product, and really 
um, aligns well with who your brand is and the customers and your customer base will be such a better person, influencer, uh, representative of your brand compared to a macro influencer that, hey, has a million followers, you sent them the product, you're, set, you're paying them five, 10, 20K, and they're just posting, reaching more people, but it's not, it's not real, it's fake. But it's not always, it's not always it's not fake, always but you're case. getting more bang for your buck when you work with micro-influencers. One, yeah. first of all, it's obviously affordable when you work with micro-influencers. You're getting sometimes more content from them. They wanna grow too. They wanna work with brands that align with them. So they wanna work with you, they wanna get exposure and so forth. So it's basically them building up their portfolio. So they're gonna work twice as hard to try to get into the macro level. However, you again, this is why I love working with micro-influencers. I see a lot of, I mean, with Sugar and Kush, you guys have it all over your feed. You're working yeah. with people who have 2,000 followers up until like 100,000 followers, yeah. and you're getting so much content, so much exposure, so many reviews and so forth, because you're getting real people to actually use your product, they love your product, they're saying positive things, and they're gonna go out of their way to actually put in more time rather than say, you know what? Effort. I didn't get paid 30K, you know, a thousand and you know or they're gonna they're basically not, I think they're it's less of a business transaction too it's it's actually it they is. have a passion for what they do they're they're in that beginning stages of having the ego i think now they just want to build their their own customer base they've learned that they want to build a strong yep. following and like they want to be authentic i think that's the best word micro influencers are very yeah, and, and frank body used beauty like makeup influencers yep skincare influencers, lifestyle influencers. So it's, they found each category that they know that their audience is following. It. It's not just skincare enthusiasts, And right? we talked about this in the beginning. Yep. They sent out free samples and free products to thousands yep. of influencers, to, to individuals and whatnot. And that's how you created a strong, they created a strong foundation and, and people love their product. So that's something definitely to take a take note of as a young brand is focus on micro, focus on being authentic and following people that are authentic about your brand. Love it. That's it for episode 19. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, and so forth, give us a review, give us a thumbs up, a five-star rating, and so forth. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, hit the thumbs up button, subscribe. Uh, let us know if you have any questions. You could tweet at mscopac or at Sean underscore Azari, any questions you have, or you can leave in the comments uh, as well. Uh, again, we hope you like this, and we can't wait to see you next week. Yes. Uh, so stay tuned, and... Adios, got anything else to say? That's it. Coffee scrub, baby Frank rub, let's, let's go. go.